Welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Kona Edge. I am Brad Brown. It's brilliant to have you with us, and happy Wednesday if you're listening to this on the day we're recording it. It's uh, another gorgeous, gorgeous day in Cape Town in South Africa, and uh, it is race week for me. I've got uh, a marathon coming up on Sunday, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that's uh, quite a big thing because uh, I've been struggling with a bit of a back injury, and uh, in in my last Ironman, I literally did not run one step of the marathon. We've been building slowly and uh, running another marathon this weekend, so I'm just super stoked to be running pain-free. It's going to be slow, I can tell you that much, but uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled to to be out on the road once again and i haven't been on the bike for a while and if i must be honest i actually can't wait for this marathon to get out of the way because i am just amped i want to get back on the bike and back on the water uh i'm yeah feeling pretty motivated and uh, don't tell my wife but i've entered another iron man <laughs> this is between you and me okay uh no 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 letting her know but uh, yeah i've entered another iron man early next year so it's time to get some uh, some serious training done considering i haven't been in the water for probably close on a year and uh, i haven't been on the bike for a few months uh it's time to to get working so as soon as this marathon's out the way then it is good to go Today on the Cone Edge, we get to chat to uh, someone whose accent is very similar to mine, but he lives in Australia and has lived in the UK for a long, long time as well. Uh, I don't know if he considers himself a South African anymore, but uh, yeah, he's a citizen of the world. Barry Olufsen uh, joins us uh, on today's show to talk a little bit about his build-up to uh, Kona and uh, what it takes to qualify and race on the Big Island. That's coming up in a moment as well. And a massive thank you to our sponsor of the show, Jack Rabbit. Uh, jackrabbit.com is uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal organization. They've got uh, a very extensive network of specialist running stores across the United States. They've also got a very big uh, online footprint. If you're looking for anything running shoes related, they have everything you need uh, from a really wide range of uh, makes and brands uh, to sizes, which is uh, pretty impressive as well. So if you'd like to find out more about Jackrabbit and also uh, stand in line to win yourself uh, one of four pairs of Hoka One One running shoes this month because we're teaming up with uh, Jackrabbit.com and Hoka to, to give away those shoes. We've given away one pair already this week and uh, we've got another three to go. So get into that draw. All you have to do is head over to this URL okay it's jackrabbit.com forward slash Kona edge alternatively what you can do is text the word jackrabbit all one word okay that's j-a-c-k-r-a-b-b-i-t to 44222 and i'll text you the details straight back on how you can get into that draw and speaking of uh, the winner i caught up with our first winner uh yesterday and unfortunately not the greatest of lines but uh yeah i wanted to play a little bit of that call for you and then uh, we'll be chatting to barry olifson on today's episode of the kona edge Paul, it's Brad Brown from the Cone Edge. Are you well? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? Very, very good, thanks. Have you got a few minutes to chat? Yes, sir, I do. Excellent. Paul, I got your details from Melanie at Jack Rabbit. Correct. Congratulations on winning. Well, thank you. Paul, where where in the States are you? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, You weren't up in Chattanooga this weekend? I did not. I had hoped to. I had a couple of race uh, but I was able to get uh, Paul Melanie tells me you've got a race coming up as well in the next month or so 
uh, Ironman uh, Louisville. Oh, brilliant. Well, I just wanted to give you a, sh- a call just to say congratulations on uh, on winning those uh, Hoka One Ones. And uh, yeah, just to, to personally thank you for, for listening to the Cone Edge and entering the contest. Uh, yeah, thank you guys, uh, guys to sponsor that and for Jack Rabbit to sponsor that with you. So I really appreciate it. I always enjoy listening to the well, brilliant. Well, Paul, best of luck for, for Louisville. Uh, I hope it all goes according to plan. Thanks so much again for, for entering and listening to the Cone Edge. Much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll get those shoes to you soon. I know Melanie has got your details. And, uh, yeah, let me know Let me know what you think of them. I'd love to love to get your thoughts. Okay, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's Coach's Corner is brought to you by Doug Guthrie Personal Training. Doug has a passion for seeing people improve and succeed. A 14 times Ironman finisher, two of those on the Big Island, a USA T-Level 1 certified coach, head coach of the YMCA tri-team, Doug has the unique ability to meet athletes wherever they are in their journey. His motivation comes from helping athletes improve and meet their goals at any skill level. As a self-coach, two-times Kona qualifier and finisher, Doug's experience places him in the shoes of those training for their first sprint to those who need to know what has to be adjusted in their plan to get them to the next level in order to qualify for the World Championships. Discover more about Doug, head over to theconaedge.com forward slash coaching and don't forget if you're a coach or if you have a coaching business and would like to get a plug on the podcast, head over to theconaedge.com forward slash coaching. We head to Australia now here on the Kona Edge uh, and the accent you're going to hear is maybe not necessarily Australian. It's more like mine, Barry Olufsen. Barry, welcome on to the Kona Edge. Oh, thanks for having me. You're, you're uh, an ex-South African transplanted uh, in Australia. Tell me more. Yeah, well, um, I left I left uh, South Africa. Um, I, was, I was brought up on the south coast, um, Shelley Beach, and uh, left there probably... Uh, Jeez, 2001, I think I did. And then um, I left and I, I went to London, stayed there for about 13 years and uh, found myself in Australia um, in 2014. And um, here I am, loving it. And quite funny that where you ended up in Australia, probably fairly similar climate-wise and lifestyle-wise to where you were on the south coast in, in South Africa. Exactly, exactly. The Sunshine Coast is definitely... Um, a carbon copy of the weather that we got back on the south south coast for sure. I take it you you're very outdoorsy. Are you a surfer? Um, I used to surf a bit when we were younger, um, but yes, living in London, <laughs> not much surf around there. And uh, there's plenty of sharks in in WA when I stay in there. I've just I've just moved down to the Sunshine Coast on the east coast of Australia. Um, so maybe I'll get. Back into surfing one day after after um, Ironman lets me go. <laughs> let's let's touch on on triathlon because that's what we wanted to chat about. Where did your your love for the sport start? Um, it actually started in London. I had a few of my mates, um, a couple of my mates, Gary and George. They they started doing this triathlon thing. And uh, for those of you that have ever um, done a stint in London, you'll know that uh, it's it's a very much working culture back there. Um, so. When they started triathlon, we were quite upset that we'd lost our, our drinking partners. So 
Um, basically, I just uh, got we got drunk one day and uh, one night at the slug in uh, in Wimbledon, and I signed up for a triathlon, and uh, I haven't looked back since then. That's so that's so so funny, and and uh, it's, I'm actually quite surprised at how big the triathlon scene in London is. You mentioned the, the the big drinking culture, but there's a big triathlon culture, and it's growing fast. There is, and you know, I didn't even know it existed at the time. Um, but then, once you get involved in the sport, uh, you, you do realise that it's actually, uh, you know, it's 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 actually quite big. Were you were you pretty active and sporty growing up back in in South Africa? Absolutely not. Um, yes, not 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 in the slightest. Eh? Uh, a bit of surfing, but that was about it. Um, Played a little bit of rugby in standard six only because I had to, but uh, other than that, that was it. Eh? I find that quite interesting. And then picking up this triathlon thing, did you find it came pretty easily? Um, I wouldn't say it was easy. I definitely uh, found a competitive edge that I never knew existed uh, when I first started. Running has always been, uh, you know, it's not a love of mine. And that was probably the hardest thing uh, after I got over swimming, and I still, I still struggle with the run. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it didn't come easy. It had a lot of hard work, a lot of hours, and uh, yeah, you eventually just uh, it doesn't get any easier. You just get faster. Someone said. <laughs> tell tell me about the the moment when you sobered up after deciding to do that first one, and uh, the thought that crossed your mind, and and the build up, and how did that first one go? Well. I can remember being pretty bummed that I dropped a few thousand pounds on eBay on buying a TT bike that I, you know, I'd never uh, known another bike, and uh, all of a sudden I got this uh, nice time trial bike coming on eBay. Um, but yeah, I was pretty keen. Eh? By that time, I'd, I was a bit over the whole drinking scene, and you know, you do it every weekend. You just get just, it's just the same thing over and over again. Every weekend you go in ice, you get in hammered, you wake up with a hangover, then you do it all over again, and then you go to work, you know, during the week, and then uh, yeah, groundhog day. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was nice finding something else to do with your time and your money, because uh, <laughs> as a lot of you will know, that uh, triathlon does suck a lot of your finances up, especially in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. What what was that first triathlon that you ended up entering and doing? Uh, was one in Austin, Texas. It's a 70.3. Uh, we just wanted to do something of, uh, like an adventure. You know, we wanted to travel somewhere and, and go do a race somewhere. And the boys are saying, oh, let's go to the States. And I was like, all right, Keen, I'll, I'll come to the States and I'll do the triathlon at the same time. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a sick trip. It was uh, definitely eye-opening, uh, the whole American culture and, and Texas as a whole. And, and Barry, uh, typical yeah. typical South African, go big or go home. Nothing nothing like starting with a sprint, you all in. <laughs> yeah, I went all in. I did do a, I did do a sprint and an Olympic distance uh, in that uh, 12 or 14-week period or whatever before we left. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we got a few um, sly looks when I was, I was doing a sprint and an Olympic in my board shorts. Uh, definitely wasn't, I didn't, I didn't jump straight into the lycra. Um, it took me a while to, to, to get all um, tight and, um, yeah, follow the trend. I love that. How, how did that first one in, in Texas go? Yeah, it didn't, do, didn't go too bad. I think uh, I managed a, a fifth or a sixth in my age group. Uh, 
uh, I went under five and, uh, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal, but, uh, at the time, but everyone is quite surprised that I went, I went under five hours for my first, uh, for my first half. So yeah, by then I thought, oh, okay, maybe this is something I'm good at. And, you know, it just turns out that, um, the work you put in, you what you get out, and uh, yeah, I haven't done too badly. I mean, that's incredible. Knowing what you know now and what you have achieved, do you wish you had started earlier? Because you've obviously got ability. Yeah, I think I started. Well, that when I was twenty nine. Um, yeah, I do wish I, I started earlier, but uh, who knows what would have uh, happened if I, I did start earlier? I might have got tired of it sooner. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. I do, I do sometimes uh, think about that, and uh, maybe if I had a little bit more guidance when I was younger, and I, I could have um, maybe worked on speed a little bit more. And and talk Who to knows? me about talk to me about the competitiveness. I mean, you like you say you you found this competitive streak in you that that you didn't know existed. I'm I'm surprised at that. Surely, I mean, even even though you weren't sporty, there must have been uh, things. I mean, you're competitive now, and you love that competitiveness. But sh- sh- there must have been things growing up that you, you maybe board games you hated losing. Were you that type of kid? No, I never played any games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just a beach bum, to be honest. Though. Like, I don't think there was. Uh, I can't remember being ever being competitive. Um, yeah, I just probably got caught up in the whole. Uh, Ironman whirlwind and uh yeah and just wanted to wanted to get to Kona and you know wanted to be better wanted to be faster and uh yeah when, when just did, one of those sports gets you eh? I, I mean <laughs> were you were you roped and, and sucked in full on after your first sort of race or was it after that first 70.3 that you decided you know what this is pretty cool I'm gonna stick around this and uh and and take this seriously oh yeah I was probably after the first 70.3 any spare money that I had after that all went on to, you know, into triathlon equipment. I had a new bike after that, you know, I tried every single gadget that was being marketed at the time. You know, triathlon was everything in those first few years. Um, it's calmed down a lot, but uh, yeah, I, I remember getting getting fully sucked in. And the, the decision to make the, the jump to, to the big one, to the full? Oh, it wasn't hard. Um, I think the very next year, that was, Austin was in October. And then I did uh, my first full, the next August, no, it would have been July. Uh, My first one was Austria. Uh, And, yeah, it was one of those years that um, hasn't been repeated yet. Uh, I think it was like 34 degrees. They cancelled wetsuits. Uh, yeah, there was a big palaver about that. No one was happy about having to swim without a wetsuit. And, uh, yeah, I didn't do too bad there. Um, uh, on the second lap of the bike, I really did feel like I was uh, riding with a flat tire. And it uh, turned out I was. I had to have someone tell me that. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it was a long day. Uh, 10 hours and 20 I did. Um, it was very hot. I remember having some serious sunburn after that. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure I vowed never to do another one, but uh, you know, I signed up probably within the next week or so. I'd, I'd be into South Africa. And and when did Kona? When did the thought of, of possibly qualifying for the Big Island uh, come onto your radar? Oh, I think after Austin, I wanted to do it in South Africa the next year, and 
I got sick on the flight over. Um, but before that, two weeks before that, I was out in Lanzarote. This is how serious I was, bro. Uh, you know, I used to go on these training camps. Whenever I could get time off work, I'd, I'd fly to Lanzarote in the English winter and go train out there. And I think it was maybe two or three weeks before South Africa. Yes, I had a big off on the on the bike um, in Lanzarote. And uh, yes, I had a concussion. I was asking some stupid questions. I was pretty badly cut up and stitched up in the head, but uh, I still got on that flight to South Africa, and I was still I was still racing, and I was still on. You know, I was, um, I was it didn't set me back too much. I didn't break anything, and then I got sick on the flight over, and uh, yeah. So for race week before before the the gun shot off, I was I was bedridden. Uh, but again, uh, did the same time in South Africa. Ten hours twenty. Uh, I, was, I was bitterly disappointed at that because I'd flown my parents over to come and watch, and you know, I was, you know, this was going to happen. This was going to be, I was going to qualify for Kona, but yeah, shit happens. Um, that race didn't happen, but uh, you know, um, I think I was signed up for Roth after that because uh, I wanted to go fast, but uh, you know, I cancelled that race um, and uh, teed up uh, cans for when I moved to Australia. And uh, that's where I actually qualified for the first time um, in Cairns. What, is it, what does it take for someone who's done it uh, numerous times? What, what does it take to qualify for Kona? I think patience, though, and, and be realistic. Um, I see a lot of guys training for Kona, and they're doing these massive hours, you know, 20, 25-hour weeks, and they're trying to hold down a job. And uh, I can only say to, to those guys is you don't need to be – knocking 20 and 25 hour weeks to get to Kona. Um, that's what the pros do. You know, they're, they're next level. And um, if you're going to be working as well, I'd see, I mean, you can look at my Strava. If I go over 15 hours a week, uh, that's a lot. That's a big week for me. Um, so, yeah, patience and, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I could suggest. Eh? Just um, determination and drive. You've got to want it to, to get it. And it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that pops up time and time again, and it, it sounds so simple, but it's, I mean, you say patience and, and consistency would probably be the other one and uh, and consistency over time. And that's where the patience comes in. Yes. Yeah. Get a good program or get a good coach and be consistent. Don't, you know, don't add stuff when you don't need it. You know, like, think about recovering more than uh, racking up the hours. Mm. Barry, for you, let, let's talk about the, the, that balance and, and work-wise. You're pretty busy work-wise. T- tell me about what you do and, and sort of life outside of triathlon. Uh, so at the moment, I, I work for Bombardier. It's a, a train manufacturing company that I, I actually work for them back in, in London. And uh, since I've been in the South Sunshine Coast, they, they've, um, they've got another job for me. Yeah? So I've recently started with them. Uh, I work away during the week. Um, because it's a bit far from where I, from where I live, so I live away during the week, and uh, that way I can, uh, you know, try and get in a session before and after work. Uh, but before that, I was working in the mining industry, uh, working two weeks on, two weeks off. That was that was pretty good for training. Uh, they were long days, twelve-hour days, but when you don't have to cook for yourself or clean or um, talk to the missus, <laughs> you can get a lot done. Uh, in a couple of hours before and after work. 
And then looking at, at sort of just getting the, the balance right, I mean, you, you talk about working away and, and working long hours. How, how important and how big a role does planning your, your week ahead of time, knowing what your schedule is and, and where you're going to fit what in? Um, I'll pretty much work off uh, one of Brett Sutton's um, programs, a generic program you can download off his, his website. So I know exactly what every day is going to be for me. Um, so I just make time. I, I, I make time around work, whether that's getting up early and uh, getting something in the morning and then after work getting, getting something off. It's, it's doable. Mm. Um, you know, for the for the reasonable hours I do is you know fifteen hours a week. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I think my longest weekday session um, is ninety minutes. So that's it's doable. Barry, how do you? I mean, you've been around the sport for a while now, and you've had quite a bit of success. Are you still changing things up, or have you found a, a sort of recipe that works for you from a training perspective? sort of building blocks to to your your sort of goal rates that you you know what to do and it's the same formula time after time or do you change things up in the build-up to various and different races i've been on the same program since i've qualified uh since the the race when i first qualified so cans the 16 week building block before for cans and um i haven't changed anything you know if it ain't broke it doesn't need fixing so um if anything i've become more religious on the program than i was before because it's consistent um so yeah i don't i don't really change anything what what do you most what i have done is probably is spend a lot more time on uh the the turbo or the kicker um and the treadmill than i had in the past um so the last two or three years and it's really it's, it's that, that's where you build strength. Um, it's not very social and it's not very fun, uh, but it definitely um, gets the results. I was going to say, is that is that just because it's it's a function of what it does? You can be more focused for a, a shorter period of time. There's no messing about. You there to do one thing and one thing only. Exactly, exactly, exactly that. Um, you, you, I mean, there's not a lot of people that have the balls. Um, or the courage to go 100% on the bike, on the road. Uh, you always have that variable of, you know, potholes, cars, um, you know, things that could, you know, injure you. Whereas on, on the turbo, you can pretty much go to the wall um, and absolutely bury yourself and, you know, you still walk away. Mm. Or, you know, in, in my case, I, you know, there's not many times that I don't um, – literally fall off fall off the kicker or uh, you know you get jelly legs after the treadmill and that's that's what makes you stronger you know absolutely what are you most proud of in your in your triathlon career um i guess finding my wife to be eh? <laughs> that's that's sort of uh, that's sort of uh, the biggest thing that brought myself and, and katie together is triathlon um i guess in a in a performance place i think cans was probably last year or the year before cans was probably my my most proudest race um because i led from the start to the finish um it was a full-on solo tt there was no one around me all day um yeah that was probably my 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 best performance big biggest regret in the sport 
<sighs> Biggest regret. I don't think I have any regrets, <laughs> to be honest. I, guess I can't a, think of any. That's a good good place to be. And what what do you still want to achieve? I mean, you've had some great results uh, from from a racing perspective. You mentioned that performance in Cairns, but what what do you still want to achieve? I mean, once this is all done, and and if you have to for whatever reason give up, what what would you be satisfied with? A bowl. It's all I want. <laughs> I just want to. I just want a Kona bowl. <laughs> I was going to say not just any bowl because you can buy those in a supermarket. You want you want the bowl, don't you? Uh, yeah, I don't want to buy it either. Although I've been I've been paying for it for years now, but <laughs> I just they just need to hand it over. I want to earn it, of course, but uh, yeah, that's it. I just I just want to make top five. Um, I believe I can. It's uh, it's just a matter of, of doing it on the day. Kona is one of those places where it doesn't matter how fast you are anywhere else in the world. You got to be fast in Kona, and you got to deal with the heat. And uh, being a big guy such as myself, um, yeah, it's it's tough, eh? Barry, what is it that's so special about Kona? If I say the word Kona, what do you what do you think of? <sighs> Racing against the best, eh? Um, I mean, you can you you can win your regional races, you can win your local races, and uh, you know, a few people might show up, but um, the guys that are at the top end, the real top end. Um, they're racing in Kona, and, and, and that's where that's where you go um, to be challenged. Uh, and I think, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just probably the hype. Um, it's definitely not the cost, because I can tell you that it's uh, it's a very expensive trip. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know what it is about that island. It just it just draws you to it. What advice? I mean, we've got an interesting mix of people who listen to this podcast. There's obviously lots of newbies, people who are starting out in the sport of triathlon, but there's uh, lots of people who have qualified and raced, but there's a, a fairly big chunk who are, are itching to go or have just qualified and, and are looking for info about the island. What advice would you give to someone who possibly just about to qualify who has just qualified for their first one? Well, if it's your first one, uh, I'd say in, in, enjoy it. Go and do all the, you know, the undie run and um, all the events and, you know, check it all out, enjoy it. Um, you don't know if you're going to go there again, especially when you look at your bank account afterwards. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a special place. And I know it's the holy grail for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the pinnacle of our sport. Uh, for those that are going again and um, are trying to, you know, crack a good time and, and get a good place in or even possibly win their age group, is uh, try and stay away from the heart. <laughs> stay indoors. Um, train early. Uh, you know, get away from the you know the, the pressure and that that pressure building pot that can be around um, the beach because uh, there's a lot of very fit looking people around there. Um, as you can imagine, it can get pretty intimidating. And uh, you know, just concentrate on your own race. Who do you look up to in the sport, Brett? Uh, uh, Barry, who 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 do you sort of respect and, and think are, are are brilliant competitors or athletes? Oh, it's got to be our own uh, our own my, my fellow Safa um, Fredino. Uh, he's he's an he's an amazing athlete, and he's he's uh, he's definitely uh, taken taken the sport uh, by sport by storm. You know, um, 
he's probably one of the only guys out there that is actually making a very good living and is a superstar in, in the sport. Besides that, I mean, you, you look at people like Carl Buckingham is probably one of the only age group to pro athletes that has actually made it. Mm. Like uh, besides Lionel Sanders, because I mean he was a he was a age grouper before that. But um, Carl's really, really, really done well, and um, yeah, good good luck to him. I, I hope he does even better um, to to qualify in the top ten this year, and and you know even his first year pro, he, he qualified for Kona. So yeah, and and, and, and there's another one who who, who got his start in London. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. He, he <laughs> must be some. He, he did. St- <laughs> must be something in the water. Must be the, yeah, the cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> I also have to laugh. <laughs> I have to laugh, Barry. I also love the way us South Africans just claim everyone. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Jan Fredino. <laughs> I mean, we we will take him. Uh, Roger oh, Federer is ours, I think, as well. We can claim him because yeah, he's our Roger's South African. Us. Chris Froome, we'll take him too. So it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Well, you speak to Jan. He's definitely got a South African accent. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Barry, it's been great catching up. Uh, I'm going to uh, look forward to chatting about your swim, bike, and run, and some nutrition in in upcoming episodes but thanks for your time today on the cone edge thank you see ya and that is a wrap on this edition of the podcast thanks again for listening much appreciated thank you to to our guest barry uh love chatting to barry and uh yeah can't wait to to share some more of his journey with you next week thursday we'll be chatting to barry about his swim and some of the things he's done over time to get better in the water so that's coming up then we're back again tomorrow with another edition of the kona edge and don't forget that this episode was brought to you by jackrabbit.com if you'd like to get Get into the draw to win yourself uh, one of four pairs of Hoka One One running shoes. All you need to do is head over to jackrabbit.com forward slash Kona Edge or simply text the word jackrabbit to 44222. That's jackrabbit to 44222 and uh, I will send you all the details straight back. From myself, Brad Brown, have yourself a superb Wednesday. We'll chat tomorrow. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge.
Well, we head to uh, Australia now to touch base with. Uh, it, it's he's not a. Well, he probably, let me start again, Barry. Sorry, let me. It's like amateur hour here. Sorry, man. 